1 Peter 3.15. The title is This Because of That. This Because of That. I know it doesn't make sense right now, but we'll continue and maybe it will. <laughs> 1 Peter 3, verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. He says you should be ready to give an answer to people. And there's lots of questions people should be asking you. Now, <laughs> because America has be become so dumbed down, people don't even know how to ask questions anymore, by and large. However, the closer you get to Christ, the more of a difference from this world you become. And they'll start questioning that. Hey, something's different. What's going on here? What's this? And when they do ask these questions, we should be ready to give an answer. And I'm just going to show you that a lot of these answers have already been laid out in the Bible so that when they ask you the question, you can go right to the Bible with their question and give them the answer. The way we, def the way we can find that, one way, is the word because. Just look up the word because in the Bible. And then you find both a question and an answer just from finding the word because. So we'll do that. Our first question that the world may ask is this. Why preach? That's foolish. You think about it, it is. One man standing up here, you know, just talking nonstop for however long. That seems foolish, and it is foolish. In the multitude of words, there one is not sin. The Bible says a man shouldn't be known by much speaking. But yet, he said, that's how I'm going to spread my gospel. Why? Because that's foolish. Let's see what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling box, unto the Greeks, foolishness. God says, I'm going to use foolishness. Verse 25, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So, here's our, our connecting points. We preach. They ask you why you preach? You say, we preach right there. And the word because is in verse 25, because God is wiser than men. Okay, so you could circle three things in that and have your whole, whole sentence. In verse 23, you could circle, we preach. In verse 25, because God is wiser than men. And there's your whole question and answer done right there for you from the Word of God. Let's see another one. Why do we ask God for help? Why don't you just do it yourself? That's the, way, that's the way the world does. They said, you just need more education. You'll be able to handle anything that comes your way. Why ask God for help? No, that's not what we do. Galatians 4, verse 6. Galatians 4, verse 6. Galatians 4, verse 6. He says, And because ye are sons, God has sent forth <clears throat> the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Okay, the reason we cry out to God, not to man or higher education, is because we're sons of God. We're something different. The world doesn't have um, a father that can help them. The devil doesn't want to help them. He wants to hurt them. 
Abuse them and use them. That's right. Not God. God wants to help you. So we cry to Him. And that's natural for a Christian to do. Matter of fact, it's natural for the lost world to do it. When push comes to shove, they know when their life is on the line, there's somebody big that can help. And it's only God. In Isaiah 45, verse 23, he says this, God talking. I've sworn by myself. Now, don't you like it when God uh, gets on the rampage and starts talking? I like hearing him talk, and it's just so definitive and authoritative. Isaiah 45, 23. I have sworn by myself the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. He says, one day everybody's going to cry out to me. I choose to go ahead and start doing it now. <laughs> That's why... The reason we ask God for help is because everybody's going to. You better get used to doing it. Start doing it now. Uh, the next question I see is, why value God's Word over reason? Now, this is one that not all Christians understand. You're not going to be able to reason everything out in life. There's some things that are bigger than the human mind that God put in His Word. And if you'll obey those things, you'll be okay. But when you become the answer, you, be, you have to be able to have a reason for everything, then you're limited to human reason. If you'll follow what God has to say, you're above human reason. He says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6, Ephesians 5, verse 6. He says, Let no man deceive you with vain words. <laughs> he is so cruel. Man's words that would deceive you, those are convincing words. They seem like they have a lot of reason behind them. He's saying they're just vain. Vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. He says, God says, hey, if you're putting your trust in reason and a convincing argument from man, that will cause me to get mad. My wrath falls on that. Why? Because you've not valued his word above man's word. Hmm. Okay, why do you spend so much time pursuing Christianity? <clears throat> now, I say Christianity, and that doesn't mean a whole lot nowadays. However, that's the way the world would word the question. Christianity. And a Christian should spend his lifetime pursuing that. Not many in the churches nowadays do. I mean, they'll spend Sunday morning and, you know, special events pursuing Christianity, but not during the week. <laughs> That's not pursuing it. A real Christian does it 24-7. So the world's going to come along and ask you, hey, why are you spending so much time trying to do this Christian thing? Well, the answer's in the Bible. Look at it, Ephesians 5, verse 16. Ephesians 5, verse 16. It says, Redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Okay, why do I spend so much time trying to do what God has revealed as Christian, Christ-like? Because as I look around me, I see so many that aren't. Therefore, I better kick it into high gear. 
The other thing is this. He says, redeeming the time. What's redeem mean? Buy back. So you need to buy back what time you've already wasted on the world. Things that are evil. You can redeem those days and that time. God will exchange it. Just like your sins are marked with indelible ink, but there's one thing that will wipe them out, isn't it? The blood of Jesus Christ. God says, I've got something that will wipe out your evil days if you'll redeem the time. So part of the reason that I pursue things and spend so much time trying to do what Christ says is a follower of Jesus is because I want to get rid of some of the evil days I've spent. I want to redeem some time. Buy it back. Okay, another question. Why do you work so hard when you get ridiculed for it? Now, if you're a Christian, you're going to see that. You're going to feel it in your own life. Everything I'm doing is falling apart. I'm just getting yelled at at work all day long. Why do I even try? Well, that's the wrong attitude right there. A real Christian doesn't do that. Ouch, because we've all done it. But I just told off on all of us. <laughs> you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't have a bad day and say, I want to quit. Sorry, you shouldn't. I know we all do, but we shouldn't. And there's no excuse for it. First Timothy 4, verse 10. I'm going to hit this one and get off quick because this is preaching here. First Timothy 4, verse 10. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach. We work, we're doing the best we can, we get yelled at. Because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially those that believe. Okay. So he says what you do is you work like a dog and you get yelled at. And Now, I understand the labor here is in the Word and in spiritual things. However, it also applies into any labor. When you're laboring at work and nothing is working out and you're getting yelled at, use the Bible, you know, over human reason. You know what we normally do? We kick into reason gear. Well, you can't tell me that. I Look at this and look at... Okay, how about valuing His Word over reason? What we do is we trust in the living God. You appeal to God. God, show me what I'm doing wrong. Help me do this thing right. And then trust in Him. Not your reason, not your ability, not what the boss even said. Some things we've got to ignore because we're trusting and fearing someone much bigger than any man can ever see with his human eyes. God. Now the question is, why do you prepare for a future that you have no proof of? Now that's a real unsaved person's point of view. But they would say, hey, you spend all your time preparing for this afterlife and we don't even know if there is an afterlife. You're wasting your time. Why are you doing that? I'm going to show you a wild verse. Hebrews 11, verse 23. Hebrews 11, 23. I'm going to give you time to read that. Hebrews 11, verse 23, and then I'll ask you some questions. Hebrews 11, 23. Who is the verse about? 
of Moses' parents. This is not a verse about Moses, although it includes Moses. It's about his parents. We're going to get information about Moses later on, but he starts with Moses had good godly parents, and he's going to tell you about them. And you think about it, he had to have had good godly parents. Out of him came Levi, the whole tribe. Out of him came Aaron and Moses. So that, there must have been something really special about those parents. So he's going to tell you about them right here. By faith, Moses, when he was born, so there's a baby born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Does that make any sense to you? They weren't afraid of the king, so they hid him. <laughs> Wait a minute. They hid him because they were afraid. But they weren't afraid because they saw he was a proper child. They weren't afraid of, of the king. They were afraid of not allowing Moses to fulfill his call. According to them, they saw he's a proper child. They've been waiting for a deliverer. God moved on them and said, Hey, make sure that child makes it. It's your job to protect him. And so they did everything they could to make sure that life was not snuffed out. Wish we had some more people like that in America today. Get rid of the abortion industry. Everybody's given a duty when you have a child to protect that life. Just like... Jochebed and Miriam, no, Jochebed and, uh, what's his parents' names? Um, anyway, Moses' parents. <laughs> Moses' parents, they're named in the Old Testament, and I should have looked that up before I came in. But Anyway, Moses' parents did take the responsibility they were supposed to. When God allowed, who controls life? God does. If he allowed you to have a baby, that suddenly becomes your responsibility. Amram and Jochebed. There we go. Um, okay, so that's a, that's a good one right there. They took it on themselves to fulfill the call God had given them. If God gives you a child, that's the call he's given you. See 1 verse 11. 1 Timothy 1 11. This is Paul. And... He didn't have physical children like Moses' parents had a child, but here he's given something that he's taking the same type of responsibility for that Moses' parents took for him. First Timothy, where did I say? First uh, Timothy one eleven, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. You know, we've been committed something just like God allows people to have children. He gives them that life to carry and then makes it their responsibility to care for it. We've gotten the Scripture. He's revealed things to you out of the Scripture personally that you saw. That was revealed to you. That's yours to care for. It's been put in your trust. So we need to be responsible for it, just like uh, Moses' parents were responsible for him. Okay, here's another question. Why can't I get what I need? <laughs> and really uh, you won't live very long before you ask that question you're going to literally have things you think you actually need you know I need this or I need that 
And sometimes you'll think it's a legitimate need, and sometimes it really is. And you need the, to get that. There's a way you can get it, James chapter 4. James 4, verse 2. He says, you lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not. Why? Because you ask not. How simple is that? He says, you need things, that's fine. Guess who has them? I've got the control of everything. Come ask me. Pretty simple. But how many times do we run around in this life trying to fit things in and work things out in our own and we've not asked God to do it or help us or show us? Well, no wonder we ain't going to get it <laughs> because we've kicked him off the throne and made our reasoning ability greater than his. He says, I'm waiting for you to ask me. I've got control of that whole globe down there you're running around on. And nothing moves without my okaying it. Just ask me and I'll unlock the door. But then the second you learn that, we become little brats. <laughs> It'll work. And we'll use it a time or two, and then suddenly we think we're an entitled little, you know, spoiled brat. So the next question becomes soon after that is, why is this Bible formula not working for me? I've been asking... I've been asking for a million dollars for 40 years now, and how come I have not gotten it? <laughs> James chapter 4, verse 3. Ye ask and receive not. And wait a minute, the verse just before it told us we could ask and receive. But now he says you ask and you don't get because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lust. I'm not going to give you something that's not going to be beneficial to you. God's not interested in our lust being satisfied. Now, He does want to give us good things and gifts, and He gives us more than we ever need. He gives us trinkets. And, but the second we start focusing on those as though lust is going to be satisfied with those, He says, I've no longer been the center of your attention. Therefore, I'm not giving that to you. If you're just looking for something to consume, now that's, you just consume it. You eat it and it's gone. You know what happens when you do that? A few hours later, you're coming back, I need another meal. <laughs> when God gives you something, it satisfies forever. Okay. The blessings of the Lord, it makes rich and he adds no sorrow therewith. The world does just the opposite. And guess what? Sometimes we start begging for the wrong things. We start begging for, I want cyanide. Everybody around me has been eating cyanide, and I want some cyanide. He's not going to give you that answer. Why? Because you don't know what you need to start with. <laughs> now, let's say you're a farmer and you need some to kill the rats that are getting in. He might give you that one. It's not done to fulfill just a lust that's peer pressure. It's something you're seeing everybody else do. You had a legitimate need for it. Well, he might answer that one. Okay, how about another one? Why don't you talk like everybody else? Christians, guess what? We shouldn't be sounding like the world around us. 
they should be able to tell we sound different. This has happened on several occasions. I've been uh, around somebody and their normal conversation is to curse. I didn't say a word about it. I didn't do anything. I just had the normal conversation. I know they're not saved. I know they're not Christians. So I don't expect them to act like one. After having a little conversation, it's not long before they, the next time they cussed, apologized to me. I didn't say a word. My conversation told them I was different. And they noticed it. We should too. We should talk different. People should notice us as being different. First Peter 1, verse 15. First Peter 1, verse 15. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. We're supposed to be like our Father. We're supposed to be. In Philippians 1.27, the Bible says this, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one faith and one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. There, he said, all of your conversation should fall into one category. It pursues holiness. And guess what? The world's not holy. For that matter, most Christians aren't, but it's not. And there is a drastic difference between somebody who's willing to put their own words and their lips under the control of Jesus Christ. That's a tough thing to do. Because we have this body. We have this mind and these lips, and we think they're ours, and we get to use them any way we want. But we don't. We shouldn't be saying anything until we've checked it in by our boss. God, can I say this? Am I supposed to, I can't say anything right now? Okay, I'll shut up. Sometimes that's a good thing to do. Not say anything. <laughs> One more question and we're done. Why do you let people talk bad about you? Now, that, some people don't. <laughs> you should let people talk bad about you at some point. Hey, Paul said to suffer yourselves to be defrauded. As a real Christian, you're not so concerned about yourself always looking good and right. Shouldn't be. Man, this is tough preaching. We've got to get off of this. First Peter two, verse twenty. First Peter two, verse twenty. First Peter two twenty. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults you take it patiently? Okay, there he's saying, if you did wrong and you got in trouble for it, and you said, Yes, sir, I'm in trouble, I'm sorry, you know, it won't happen again. What what's so special about that? You got what you deserve. You took it patiently, but you're supposed to. Nothing special about that. Now he's going to give you something special. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Oh, He said if you're doing everything right and then you suffer on top of it, you've been doing everything right. But they're beating me up anyway. They won't get their job done the way it's supposed to be done and I'm getting in trouble for it. I'm having to suffer. He says, God likes that. That's acceptable to God. 
What? Verse 21. For even hither, uh, for even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. You know why that's pleasing? That's acceptable to God because that's what Jesus Christ did. He suffered when he did no wrong and he took it like a lamb. Guess what? We're supposed to be little carbon copies of him. People should look around and see our life and be able to draw an analogy with Jesus Christ. Well, that's one of the things that was very apparent in his life was he did no wrong, yet he sure suffered. Well, guess what? We're going to get to experience it too. <laughs> All right, those are some questions and answers. You'll find more of them as you go through life and go through your Bible. But just the word because, you can look that up in the Bible. There's many more and that gives you a question and an answer.